Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadjassad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners, and thank you for not abandoning us as we abandoned you. Oh, we didn't abandon... I gave them a good heads up, a good, uh, well, a a very vague update, you know? That's true. Uh, So, Sam, this is normally the part where we, we talk about, you know... Uh, where we're published and what, what we, do we do and all that yes. stuff. But we're just going to slide into the fact and apologize for being absent for the last two weeks. It was a unavoidable collision of circumstance wherein I lost my voice almost completely. Um, I got sick. It wasn't COVID. And in fact, my doctor didn't know what it was. Uh, but it's better now for the most part. And I couldn't, I couldn't talk at all. Like it, it hurt to speak. And when I did speak, I sounded like death warmed over or I, I, mean, I was, you were, you were perfectly understandable. Just very scary sounding, which <laughs> I, I think would have tanked our rating or improved our rating. And I, but I was too, I'm, you know, me, I'm very risk averse. So I, I, I didn't I, want to. <laughs> I was speaking to a friend about it this week, and I mentioned that I kind of sounded like a geriatric Rod Stewart. Like, mm-hmm. if Rod Stewart had smoked even more than he actually did. So that happened um, one You week. sounded like the Muppet animal. What, really? Yeah. No. I yeah. Honestly, I wish I was half the drummer animal was. I think you're close. And uh, and then what happened was Sammy decided to just go to Ireland. So yeah, I went on vacation, and then I had to go and do some work. So these things happened back to back. Sammy went to Ireland, and then Berlin, and just before that, I got sick, and uh, we had no opportunity to record the show. Um, yeah. So I mean, we could have. Tr- well, the 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 problem is that the time difference really doesn't work in our favor when we're trying to do things. And overseas. you were with your family, so it's not really <laughs> you. You know, you don't go to Ireland to call me. <laughs> But I should have. As much as I wish you would. I, you know, honestly, folks, it was two weeks of stone cold silence from Sammy. I, this is the first time I'm talking to him in that entire period. So he, he has a mysterious life that I only get glimpses into once a week on the podcast. Look, it's there. I have a very, I have very hard walls between my, between my personal (laughs) life and my professional life. Something about how I can't be called as a witness if I don't know. (laughs) Exactly. You know what it's like. Our listeners know what it's like. Ben, why don't we give them a quick teaser about what we're going to be talking about this week? A teaser about the episode, or you just want to dive into it? Both. <laughs> We're going to talk about cars, aren't we? We are going to talk about cars. Uh, yeah, man. Cool cars you can buy in North America, and cool cars that you can't buy in North America, and also something very strange at the end of the show. As that, usual. That we, we have. It's a special uh, direct-from-Europe import, you could say, that's yes. just going to make a cameo appearance. Um, so be sure to tune into the full length of the episode if you want the real the or real ju- juicy stuff. Or just skip to the end if you only listen for the really weird stuff. Like go to like the last <laughs> the last ten minutes will probably be the money for you. Exactly. Okay, Ben, you were driving an electric car, and not just anyone, but a a specially branded one, right? Yeah. So I know that this a lot of uh, a portion of our audience is not into EVs. A portion is, and then there's the portion that can go either way, right? But I think that even if you're not into EVs, this is a car you probably want to find out more about. It was the 2022 Audi RS e-tron GT. RS e-tron gt it's that's a lot, of, G- lot of consonants well, hold on i didn't even know that's the way it was called i thought it was called the e-tron gtrs i thought so too and then i went to the audi website and their branding <laughs> set me right so okay because so because you're right because there is called the R- audi rs 
G, uh, e-tron GT. Because there is an e-tron GT, and you figured that if yes. there was a modifier to it, the RS would go at the end. But no, uh-huh. it's not how it works here. Um, wow, this whole, this whole electric thing is really messing with me these days. So, <laughs> they, so, they're putting their, their fancy trim names at the front, at the end. What am I going to – how are we going to survive? So the e-tron GT is the same platform as the Porsche Taycan, right? Am I yes. saying Taycan right? Yeah, sure. You Taycan, can say it however Taycan. you want to say it. That's what um, I thought. <laughs> I'm not going to correct you on this. Other people might be yelling at their at their speakers, at their cars, or whatever they listen to. Yeah, well, Headphones. I mean, I get it. Just so, out in public about so, how they say Tycon. So Audi's taken the same platform, um, which is their newest. It's the newest Volkswagen Porsche Audi uh, EV platform. And they've given it, uh, they've rebodied it. It is not quite as quick but as the Porsche. But it is, and, and there's only two versions. I think the the Taycan, there's at least six, right? Something yeah, like that. Yeah, the Taycan there's... has like a bajillion, ver- and that's not like. Are we including the the hatch the wagon no, version? The, no, the Cross Turismo is that what it's called? <laughs> I hope so. I don't know something um, like that. Or S an S a GTS a turbo, a turbo Turbo S a Turbo S. Yeah, yeah. So for Audi, they just have base and RS. Um, but when I say not quite as fast as the fastest version from Porsche, it's still the fastest Audi ever. I'm pretty <laughs> oh my sure. God. Really? I even think... faster than an R8. So it does 60 in 2.9 seconds, according to Car and Driver and Motor Trend. So the official number is 3.1, but if you go to independent testing, it drops to 2.9. I don't think the R8 can do it in 2.9. No, I don't think they can do that either. That sounds insane. Okay, can you you verify that it feels fast? It is one of the quickest cars I've ever driven in my life. It is quick to the point where it redefined what the term fast actually actually means to me yeah man that really surprised me because i've driven a bunch of electric cars and they almost all have that you know instant on torque which is it catches you by surprise but there's not not every electric car can deliver past like that first second of of uh, power sometimes you just get that kick and then it kind of levels out you're like okay this is fine (laughs) with the audi it never levels out. It, it, you get up to – I mean I had this thing going on a t- private test track in Mexico uh, well above 160, you know? Like it was just – well, maybe not 100. Maybe like 150 just in a straight line and it had so much more left in it that I was terrified and I had to back down. It is the kind of vehicle where – it, its capabilities in a straight line far outweigh my willingness to engage with those capabilities. So it's it's an 85 kilowatt hour battery. It's got two. I'm sorry, elect- how much? 85, 85 kilowatt hours. Okay. It's got two electric motors, one on each axle. It's 590 horsepower and 612 pound-feet of torque most of the time. But it has what Audi calls an overboost function that will bump this that. Is the dumbest thing. I hate this. Well, I hate this. I can explain why it happens. I hated it with the, when they actually had turbos doing the overboost. I hate it now. Why do you hate it? Just tell me how much power it makes. No, but why? But but the thing is, overboost it, it, it for both a turbo it's context, car is like a context sensitive amount of power. Yes, that's a good that's a good way of putting it. But for both a turbo car and an electric car, it's limited for a reason, and it's Just the same, because if it's, we do it too much, it's dangerous. It's the same reason, right? Efficiency so, wise, probably. No, it's it's not efficiency, but with so. The overboost function is available for, I think, 2.5 seconds. Yeah. And it will give you 637 horsepower for that amount of time. Why is it limited? Just like with a with a turbo car, it's heat. Heat. Um, I mean, for a turbo car, heat is part of it. You also have compression to worry about and whatnot um, mm-hmm. and, and how much um, 
how many PSI you're feeding into the engine. Uh, you can't go over. <laughs> you, you don't want to. You don't want to over over boosting means providing more boost than the engine is specified for in terms of mm. long term duration. So for an electric car, over boosting means providing more horsepower than the battery is rated to provide uh, from a heat perspective. Because mm-hmm. if you get a battery too hot, you can damage it permanently. And what that that's looks, right. what that looks and that's like, a pro- that's a significant, and that's the most expensive part of that car, right? Yeah. Like those batteries, it's actually a very funny, um, like ratio. You know, like engines might be expensive, but they're not as expensive as however, how, like get, in, combustion engines when they get damaged or replaced. I don't think they're as expensive to replace. Well, as it depends on battery. on the engine, right? Like some some and are I guess some are the battery too. Yeah, but for for a, a battery when it gets damaged, what what you often see is this individual. So a battery is made up of individual cells, and there are hundreds, if not thousands, of these cells depending on the size and design of a battery. So heat can dis, can disable a battery in a lot of ways, and one of the most common ways is for individual cells to no longer be able to accept a charge. Yep. And that's that happens over time anyway. When you when you plug in an electric car. The charging actually slows down the closer it gets to 100% because it's trying to avoid damaging battery cells by feeding them too much power. Um, That's one of the reasons, but it's also about cycles of uh, of lithium-ion. Yeah. uh, yeah, life lifespan. Then. Yeah, so these the the batteries are not. I mean, they're robust, but they have to operate within certain parameters. So the Audi takes care of that for you by locking you out of the full potential of the car unless you absolutely need it. I want to make a point here that two point uh, two point nine seconds. I mean, you're getting overboost for almost that entire period if you're going to yep. sixty in that time, but. There are a bunch of other electric cars out there that also offer a crazy launch mode that gives you this like insane amount of horsepower at one specific time. Specifically, the uh, I mean, obviously the Porsche version does it, and it's it's a little bit quicker. But the mm-hmm. Tesla Model S Plaid, which is I think a thousand and twenty horsepower, it oh has something called drag strip mode, which is a launch control system where it actually puts the car in a specific suspension stance that it calls cheetah stance, and then okay. it conditions the battery to be able to endure the heat of providing that energy. And it's actually quicker than the Audi and I think quicker than the Porsche. But there's a key difference between the Tesla's top tier model and the RS. The RS, all you have to do is be in um, dynamic mode, stomp the brake, and then hit the accelerator and you're good. Like it'll, it'll engage launch control. The Tesla Model S Plaid requires up to 15 minutes of battery conditioning (laughs) Oh, wow. Before it can provide maximum power. Interesting. That is startling in terms of difference. Like, yeah. I would easily trade a full half second of acceleration if I didn't <laughs> have to wait 15 minutes for it. Well, come on. Good things come to those who wait. Yeah, but half it's... Half a second is half a second. I mean, that's what make that's what defines... If you are truly taking this to a drag strip with some, in, with some intention to... to to get some numbers to boast about, if you, you truly you take, take it, right? if you truly take a Tesla Model S Plaid to the drag strip and it you're takes you 15 once, minutes <laughs> to stage, yeah. the person you're running with beside you will beat you probably 25 to 30 times, including the run back to the to the starting line from the end of the drag strip <laughs> while you're waiting to do one run. So it's mm-hmm. not a practical thing; it's a party trick. The yeah. Audi is actually practical and it's repeatable. You can yeah. do it over and over and over, and the battery does not heat itself out. So that is pretty damn cool. Now, this is a conversation that we're, we're, I'm going to have with you next week as well, because I've got another electric vehicle. Um, but 
What I wanted to find out is how the RF brand translates into an electric vehicle, right? Like, does it effectively... I know we haven't you haven't driven the non-RS version of this car, so that, that also doesn't help. But do you feel like this is an RS car, right? Well that's that's a that's an excellent question. Um I was talking hey, to thanks. I've been thinking about it all day. I you've probably been thinking about it for weeks in silence without communicating <laughs> to me. Uh, I was talking to a friend of the show, Stefan Ogbach, and he was saying he had the regular version, the e-tron, and he's driven both, and he feels almost as though the RS isn't necessary because the standard model is so good. There's a yeah. significant price difference between the two. I believe the standard e-tron GT starts around hundred K. And the RS starts at 140 and has like twenty to thirty thousand dollars worth of options that you can add. So that's mm-hmm. that is a big price gap. But there are things about the car that really did say RS to me. Um, it is not. It's not just for me. Acceleration is a party trick. I mean, as I mentioned before, you use it yep. a bunch of times and then you're kind of. It doesn't feel fast anymore. I mean, the Audi continued to feel fast for me. I had it only for a week, maybe over a month or a year. It would feel less fast. But it was it was constantly terrifying. But what impressed me the most about this car was just how well it filled a Grand Touring role. Okay. It, it The acceleration off the line is mind-blowing. I, yeah. I, I put I, My father and I, when I went and picked him up, and I, we were sitting in front of the house on the road, and I told him, I gave him a warning and it's yeah, still you have to. You it punched him in the to. chest and knocked yeah. him backwards and he was he was not ready like he was he had been told but he was not ready but contrast that with when you're on the highway right. i was just currently on an electric car event and my my driver partner did not warn me and my phone went flying i couldn't find it anymore in the car it was like boom gone what the <laughs> yeah it's totally crazy but but what what impressed me more than that situation where i'm not, i'm not going to use it all the time yeah. was the acceleration just while you're driving at highway speeds or on a two-lane road. Uh, it's instantaneous. It feels like an endless well of torque. It it comes on right away, and it makes... This car weighs 5,100 pounds, mm-hmm. and it's very hard to tell that from a speed perspective. Where you do notice it is when you hit the brakes coming down from an insane velocity. Like, that's where you really feel all 5,000 pounds of it. Uh, but the car, the RS, comes standard with rear axle steering, which the base model doesn't. Okay. That you helps. Notice, you notice yeah. that? Well, I mean, I haven't driven them back-to-back, but the car feels a lot smaller than it actually is. Because it's a quite a big vehicle, isn't it? It is a large vehicle. It has a long wheelbase. Um, we're talking Would kind of... Would you compare it? bigger than the a7 you think it's an r it's rs7 sized if not a little yeah. bit bigger but what's interesting about it is it's two inches uh lower than an r rs7 because that of the way because of the way the skateboard battery pack is they they can they can actually lower the vehicle itself um so okay. i believe it's roughly the same size but because of that that short short ride height it has a different proportion so it looks kind of larger um, but it the it has a two speed transmission as well, which is where it gets a lot of its crazy acceleration because it can be tuned for both off the line madness and then mm-hmm. you know more the single speed around town everyday stuff that you would get from a standard electric car. Uh, handling this is also available. This two speed transmission is also in the Porsche Taycan. Yes, and it's actually like I don't know if you noticed that at a certain speed, which is I think actually higher than like most highway speed limits. You hear or feel a slight difference, right? Did you notice this? Well, it's 
hearing it's a mostly diff- a top speed thing from what i understand the 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 hearing aspect of the the audio pleasure sound interface aspect of i don't think i got that right <laughs> performance of, sound pleasure thing yeah of the e-tron gt is uh unique on its own because audi's created this whole soundtrack for the car since it's oh no, yeah it's essentially silent yeah but it can't be silent because you'll kill pedestrians so and they also wanted to give it a personality. So the it has a bu- a variety of sounds, and it kind of sounds a bit like you know we were talking about the Batmobile in the last episode. Yeah, where it has that kind of like turbine whine at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Audi has a similar rising sound, but it's much lower key. Like it's not like the Batmobile's going to murder you sound. It's it's more like a this is a strong and powerful vehicle, and the the quicker you go, the louder it gets. And there's kind of a rising symphony that comes with it. I actually liked okay. it. Um, I didn't notice anything associated with past that, like with where how the transmission was engaging. It felt pretty seamless to me. Okay, so this is the this is an important part to me. This discussion is very important. Sound in electric vehicles, especially from brands like RS, which is the motorsport-inspired in, brand of Audi. And in when we when we talk about Audi RS models, when we talk about the RS3, the RS4, the RS5, the RS6, uh, RS7, we always talk about how incredible these cars sound. And not just to the driver, but everyone else that's, that hears and sees them driving by, you always go, whoa, what was that? You need to have the soundtrack, this that same engagement with these electric cars. I'm terrified about how the, the automakers are going through the, the, with this. BMW, for example, has hired um, a movie composer, or, well, not movie composer, but a composer, Hans Zimmer, who's known for making some pretty um, iconic soundtracks. And that's their approach to, that was their approach to making their vehicle sound iconic. Um, and it's interesting to hear you say that the the soundtrack of the of the RS uh, e-tron GT was actually pretty good. I liked I, it, but I other, think that's effective. The other thing to consider, though, is that this car is so astoundingly quick that you're not going to be paying attention to what it sounds like. You're going to be hanging on for dear life. You're saying it's blind. It's it's like deafeningly fast. Yes, it, it melts your other senses while your brain struggles to process the velocities you're reaching. It's uh, unbelievable. And and you know like. It's very heavy. The handling is fine. It's not. It's not direct in any way. Mm. Um, it's it's a large car, a heavy car, and for within those boundaries, I was very happy with how it handled. The, the, there's a couple other things I really do like about it. I think it looks great. I think it looks way better than the Porsche. Uh, the interior is very nice. They don't. Whoa, go... Why do you think it looks better than the Porsche? I don't think they look that different. I think they look pretty. Trun- di- the Porsche feels very truncated to me as a design. Okay, and I find the Audi is is just more handsome. But I the, think one of the most difficult things about the Audi is it looks like in profile, it looks somewhat similar the front and the rear. You know what I mean? I guess so. I guess it so. looks like you won't be able to see if it's coming or going. Like, uh, but the interior is also very nice. It's it, they didn't go super crazy with screens. There's two screens. There's actual button controls and stuff. It was easy to use. Um, cool. that's not always a given, especially with, you know, a lot of electric cars. Oh, I've cars. complained about the Taycan's, uh, ergonomics make no sense. It's all screens. The, the controls are hidden behind things like the steering wheel. Yeah, that's I garbage. Like we, we, I didn't like it. Just let me drive the car, you know? Exactly. Um, and there's so many electric cars too, that are going in the other direction where they just have one single screen. That does mm. everything, like I believe, like, like the the Mach-E, like the Mach-E. yeah. Um, the Ionic Five is semi similar to that. It's it's 
I understand that some car companies are taking advantage of interior styling to let you know you're driving an electric car. Audi is not doing that. Audi's like, this is an Audi that happens to be electric. Yeah. And that, I think, is a more palatable way, especially if you're asking people to spend $140,000 to get them to buy into your concept. Um, the other thing that I, I want to mention before I wrap up on this car, I feel like I've been talking about it forever, is the the charging speed. It's actually pretty good. It's 270 kilowatts. Uh, that means that five minutes plugged into a charger at that rate gives you about 60 miles of driving. So if you get stuck somewhere and you're near a fast charger, you can get unstuck pretty quickly. It'll do 80% from empty almost in like 23 minutes. But the problem with where I live and Sammy and I went through this because while I was driving this car, I went, uh, I did about a 250 mile round trip and that's not very long, but the actual range of the Audi is only 200 and. 32 miles now hold on this is the rated range of this because yes. i think when you drive it you end up getting way more range than whatever you're expecting. yeah it's the the range is very it's you you do a, the recovery is very good for the braking um and cruising it does extend itself quite well but uh the, i this is important to mention because the mercedes eqs gives you 350 miles the Tesla Model S gives you 405 miles. So the Audi is at a disadvantage range-wise when you're compared to other cars. And I believe that both of those cars are less expensive right off the bat. Um, I I was only able to charge at like 7 on 7 kilowatt and 11 kilowatt chargers. They were okay. relatively decent. I didn't have a big problem with it. Um, charging at my house at 110 was was not really worth doing. It took like I think I got like it would have four, taken like half half a week. I think I got thirty five miles after twelve hours. So Yeesh. like that's I mean it's designed for you to have your own charger. But it yeah. is important to point out the range problem. For me, it's less of a problem because I feel like we're starting to get into a part of the a part of the evolution of electric cars where we're buying them for reasons more than range, yeah. especially in the luxury world. And I think that everything else about the Audi is excellent. To the point where I, someone who is so focused on range personally, would overlook that for this car. Having said that, I haven't driven the new Model S. I haven't driven the EQS. But I can tell you that the EQS, <coughs> excuse me, the styling of the EQS is nowhere near the level of the Audi. Just in terms of beauty, I find that the EQS is a just a very normal looking car. So uh, the Audi feels and looks like something special. I'm willing to cut it some slack on range because of that. Okay, cool. Um, I can't, I mean, the reality is we're going to be talking about electric cars no matter, no matter what there, there are a lot of electric cars coming. Um, and there have been legislations or mandates that automakers need to start, um, filling that, that white space, um, in the market with the hopes that, um, more people will be buying them. I don't know if that will actually come out, but we're going to be driving them and telling people whether or not they're, they're good or worth buying. And to me, this is a pretty positive uh, impression of the e-tron GT. Um, and it's interesting to hear from Stefan about the uh, about the non-RS model, which seems pretty good too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the power I think is the, they're not that far off. I don't, off the top of my head, know the the base model's power, but it's it's, it's they're fairly close. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, this is a perfect time to segue into uh, the vehicle that you happen to drive, which isn't really about power at all, is it? No, it's about size, I think. Um, is it not when it comes to your, <laughs> oh, no. your reviews? Um, when I was over in Ireland, I had myself a Yaris, but not just any kind of Yaris, which is a Toyota. I got the Toyota Yaris Cross, which is a vehicle that we don't even get 
um, a glimpse of in North America. I mean, is so, the Yaris, isn't the Yaris on the verge of being eliminated? In maybe in, I think in North America. That's what I mean. Yeah, I feel like yes. Toyota's getting rid of it. And in Europe, it's a very popular it's a very popular vehicle, at least yes. in Ireland. Um, and it has received a number of interesting updates, including a high performance model, the GR Yaris, which a lot of um, uh, people talk to me about. Uh, a hybrid version, which is also kind of impressive for a car that size. Um, when you thought a subcompact car should already be fuel efficient, bam, here comes a hybrid model. Kind of like a Prius C, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then this one, which is um, designed to be a little bit more practical and um, I guess spacious. Because it's not massive in any way or form. It's not exactly um, an improvement in some way. It's It's, it's the crossover ification of a subcompact car and that is like it's it's blatant right like it's it's clear that there are there's a different approach there for how they do the crossover transition so, than so, we do so you're saying it's more or less of a crossover than what we would get i think it's less of a crossover than what we get but is it, because, is it jacked up at all um very slightly it's it's larger higher and wider than a normal yaris but not significantly. Like, when you see the way, like, I think the Corolla Cross compared to the Corolla Hatchback, I think you see a little bit more of that, um, that height to it um, and, and practicality element as well. This is not the case. This just feels like, uh, like a, a slightly more rugged-looking Yaris. So, I mean... We need, to, we need to be... I need to be clear. It is not a performance vehicle. It is not... Particularly fun to drive. It uses a, tur- a, a not even a turbo. A one point. Um, I think it's a one point five. I'm going to double check the the three cylinder. Yeah, a three cylinder, um, which is yeah one point five three cylinder and a hybrid powertrain. Altogether, I don't think it's it can't be that much power. Um, I would guess like a hundred and something. Let me. I gotta get my information right because I feel like I'm almost really... like it's something you should have done before we hit the record button. <laughs> I. You know what? I had it all, and then um, when you started talking about the e-tron, for whatever reason, I just uh, closed that window. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I did that. Uh, 116 horsepower, which is what I was saying. Uh, Zero to 60 happens in a molasses slow 11 seconds. Oh, wow. That's like diesel level slow, but like previous generation diesel. Right. It doesn't feel that slow until you you really try to get it up to, to speed um, on, on the highway from like a, a stop which doesn't happen too often there are a little bit more there are some um, toll roads and toll gates in uh, in Ireland and we didn't I mean we had to you just have to hammer it and go for it but wait what are you saying like hammer it like to, to avoid the tolls is that what you're saying <laughs> no after paying oh okay well yeah, so you were a bit of a taxi driver when you were in Ireland with your family yes. How did it react to having a full load of people and stuff in it? Okay, so um, it didn't react particularly well. I will say that having more than one six-footer in the car was not was not comfortable uh, for either of them, for anybody, really. Uh, it is not particularly a family-friendly vehicle if you're trying to get that, especially if you're trying to get that um, middle rear seat filled. <laughs> it did not do the trick. However, I'm, to, I'm was, struggling to like picture multiple six footers across the rear row of a year. Oh, it's, imp- it's insane. Like, it, the, like the, <laughs> my, my in-laws are like, this is ridiculous. 
Um, and they have a Fiesta. Like, that's the, the family car. And they they were like, this that actually might have been a bit more practical in some cases. On the other hand, the cargo capacity was actually very good. We managed to get so much luggage, um, both mine, my wife's, um, and my uh, father-in-law's luggage, all managed to fit in the back of this, in the trunk of this vehicle, without having to fold down any rear seats. One of the more interesting things is, if you wanted to fold down the rear seats, I think it comes with standard 40-20-40 splitting uh, split folding rear seats, which is frequently seen on higher end vehicles or as an as an optional upgrade. You never see that that middle split. I, I love how we're really grasping for interesting things about this car. Oh well, <laughs> I also have to say um, it is reasonably attractive. I had it in this really um, eye catching gold color that my wife first like laughed at when she saw, and then by the end of the the, the the week with it, she was like, I actually kind of like this color. She's going like, to have to, she's asking you to wrap your BRZ in that now. Yeah, I think so. Um, and then the other thing is, these small comp- subcompact hatchbacks are so popular in, in Ireland. Um, they do a lot of, um, you know, a lot of, they fit in a lot of places. I never had a problem parking this thing, um, despite it being relatively larger than other subcompacts that you can get there. Um, and the Yaris seems to be pretty popular. And a bunch of the friend, a bunch of the friends and family that had that saw us with it, were really curious about it. So um, either they haven't seen it very often, or they've had previous positive interactions with the Yaris, and we're looking for something um, that is maybe easier to get in and out of, like uh, without that, you know, that low step in, or um, just something different altogether. And they seemed pretty um, impressed with it. I think the cabin was um, well-designed. It, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's well-equipped. This is the thing I love about driving subcompact cars in in Europe, is that even the smallest, like, no matter the size of the car, you can get a well-equipped vehicle. Um, Our model had adaptive cruise control, it had navigation, it had wireless Android Auto and Apple CarPlay, which is really cool. Um, blind spot monitoring was the only feature it did not have, um, which caught me off guard a little bit. And it had a bunch of drive modes. You love uh, drive power. Modes. I hate drive modes. Yeah, does, does it have a drive mode that shuts off one of the cylinders so it becomes a two-cylinder vehicle? <laughs> no, it had um, normal, eco, and power. And power didn't do anything. Yeah, I'll it kind of feels that. like a misnomer to me. <laughs> it's not even called power. It's just called PWR. So I'm not quite sure if that's. I mean, I, I want, think it's power. When you push power, like a little a little generator should pop out the side with like a propeller, and yeah. the wind of your of your motion should like fire up a small electrical generator, and it Absolutely. gives you like two to three extra horsepower, which doesn't offset the weight of the generator itself, but it's a selling point. But I will add, I I love um, going to Ireland. Like I said, we have friends and family over there, so we try to visit at least once or twice a year, and. It is a wicked country to go road trip, road tripping in. It seems built for road trips. Just it's gorgeous. The roads are um, really fun in when when you're off the motorway, um, and uh, people are really like reasonable on the road too. You don't feel like you're being bullied off the road or anything like that. All right, reasonable is an interesting way to describe it. I don't know how else. It's, I, have you you've been on North American highways and people? You can be yes. going. You can be, you can be going. 
over the speed limit, and some guy will still get get up behind you and like flash you. It's always a Prius too. It's always <laughs> like in the Northeast. It's always someone in a Prius doing ninety five miles an hour, and the Prius is probably on a a space saver spare tire. In my experience, it's always been a Nissan Altima. These guys are hustling. They are killing it right now. Look, if you if you're in your Altima, you've got somewhere to go. That's, That's just true. There's no other way around it. Um, I miss this... the Altima from the late 90s, early 2000s. I just want to put <laughs> that out there. Because I liked it. I thought it was a cool design, and you never see them anymore. They all rusted into nothing. It's possible. I think that's what happened to them. I've, was there I'm one in a... Fast and Furious, or was that a Maxima? I think it was likely a Maxima. Okay. Would they? Come on, 4DSC. It might have actually been a four-door Skyline, now that I'm thinking about it. Oof. Yeah. Uh-oh. Um... I saw so many cool things in, in Ireland. I think the best thing is seeing um, a subcompact car that's smaller than – or like a city car. I think it's called the Kia Picanto maybe um, with a tow hook on the back of it. Nice. Well, I mean <laughs> if you have a city car, you can't put anything inside of it, right? So you kind of – you have to have like exactly. – so on my street, at the bottom of my street, there is a uh, pinball store. It's like a shop. Yeah, the guy, he refurbs pinballs. He sells new ones, whatever. He does a lot of pinball stuff. It's a small shop, but it opened maybe two years ago. And I was driving by today, and there was a guy with, or a lady I didn't see, with a Honda Accord and a trailer, an older Accord, and there was a pinball machine on the trailer. And I'm like, of course. Like, in my mind, you would move a pinball machine with a truck. But this person was like, no, I'll just put a tow hitch on my Accord, and it'll work fine. It was actually high speed, which is a pretty cool uh, driving-related pinball machine. And you, this person got to it before you did? Well, I don't know if they were dropping off or picking up. Okay. So I there's there's a cool Star Trek pinball machine in the window. I haven't been in a couple months. I want to go in and see what the wares are. But the problem is I really want a pinball machine. And yeah, if I go I know, in – I know you do. Yeah, Everyone if, does, I if, think. If I go in, I'm going to buy a pinball machine. And I don't need a pinball machine right now. So like, They're so expensive. How they come are. they're so expensive for yeah. such an analog item? That's the thing. I think they come from that era of like super complicated handcrafted type of like mechanisms oh, yeah. where just the labor involved in creating a really great pinball machine is not – it's not a joke. And like – they're not designed. It's not for, like something we tried to make in our spare time in a summer camp. Or it's, yeah, it's yeah. not like a video arcade cabinet where yeah, you need the the PC the PC board the PCM PCB. I can't remember the. You need the yeah. the circuit boards and you need the monitor. But other than that, it's basically just wood and joysticks. But like, if you're yeah. looking at an actual pinball machine, it was never designed for home use. It was designed to make money for somebody, which means yeah. it's a commercial product, which means they can charge like tons of money for it and it's not unusual to see like you know five to ten thousand dollars for the ones that are really in demand my 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 partner um she has a friend whose father he lives in france and he he's retired but he repairs pinball machines as a hobby yeah yeah and this is how in demand he is people will fly him all over the world to repair their pinball machines because he's been doing it long enough where he has hands-on experience with the old school mechanisms I used to know somebody in college whose father did the same thing, and he was like, this this got me through so many tough times in my life. It's so crazy. It's like a job you wouldn't think it, it sounds yeah. like a made-up job. You know, like, if you, were, if you were in elementary school, and it was career day, and someone was like, so, um, would you like to see the world and play pinball and work with your hands? And you'd be like, that's a real thing? And they'd be like, psych, no one gets to do anything cool when they grow up. But, like, in reality... It sounds – you're right. It sounds like a made-up job. It sounds like one of those things – like everyone tells people, you know, maybe if you want – you might want to get a trade or something. 
uh, the trade of fixing pinball machines seems lucrative. It's, like, it, yeah, seems because there's no one doing it, right? Like, exactly. And if someone else starts doing it in your town, you straight up murder them. <laughs> you, that's Everyone knows the omerta. <laughs> everyone knows how it works for pinball repair. Okay. There can be only – it's the Highlander of trades. I am in love with our – we're going to go on a pinball tour because I think you're coming to Toronto sometime soon. Or I'm wow, going to be going to Montreal to, sometime soon. I've seen there. Now everyone's going to know. Oh, they'll forget about it by next week. Don't worry. Um, um, okay, anyways, what was I What was I saying? You were talking about the, the cool things you saw in Ireland and we were talking about the tiny car with the trailer hitch. Oh, yes, of course. Well, you know what? The same thing about, about that Honda Accord towing uh, a pinball machine – a uh, friend of the podcast, Stephen Elmer, has put a tow hitch on his Honda Fit, and he's like, I just looked at the European specs of it, and it's rated to tow there, so I just got a hitch for it, and I followed the instructions that they ha- that they give the Europeans, but not us. Yeah, yeah, so my, my CTS-V, um, you can get a tow hitch for it that's for the standard CTS, mm-hmm. and I, I used to, I considered doing it because I wanted to bring t- tri- uh, tires to the track, yeah. but... The way it connects is it it doesn't really connect to the subframe. It kind of connects to the floor of the trunk. (laughs) So I never got that particular model. But in recent years, there's been an aftermarket one that's come out. So who knows? Right. Um, Okay. I'm I'm about done with the Yaris, but it's time for a a teaser of next week's episode as well as... uh... A little taste for myself. Well, um, also, I do have one more vehicle to talk about. Oh, you Sam. do? Yeah. So sorry to, to ruin your flow there. Oh, you blew it up. I blew it up. Okay, you go. You blew it up. But there's, there's one thing. I, 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 because you were gone so long, I had multiple vehicles to drive. Oops. And I won't spend a ton of time on this one because it's something we've talked about on the show before. But I did something completely new with it that we've never done on the show. Uh, I had a, a new Jeep Grand Wagoneer. And I towed my race car to the track with it down in New Hampshire uh, because my own Grand Wagoneer was not ready. I, even though I built it to be my tow rig, it's currently <laughs> having Don't a, do that. it's having air conditioning installed, and that's taking longer than planned. So you, you're like negging yourself in this whole situation. Well, it's the first <laughs> event of the year for me, and it didn't line up properly with getting the the air, air conditioning installed. And I, there's a bunch of other small things I'm doing on it the happens. It happens. So. So I was like, well, why not just get a brand new Grand Wagoneer and do that? So I did that. Wow, um, privileged. I can tell you it was horrendously expensive. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. What did you expect? First of all, the the Grand Wagoneer is expensive to run, and it is an expensive vehicle from the get-go. Yeah, it's it like, also uses a massive engine. It's like a um, 480 horsepower. Let me, let me double-check the number. 472 it, horsepower and 455 pound-feet of torque from a 6.4-liter V8. Now, that 500-horsepower twin-turbo i6 is now available. You can order the Grand Wagoneer with that now, but they're not in the press fleet, so I had the V8 one. Yeah. Um, I think at the best of times, it's like 13 miles per gallon in city and 20 oh, miles per gallon man. highway. God. I, I rented a U-Haul trailer. Yeah. The weight of the trailer plus the weight of my car is probably just under 5,000 pounds. I saw 13 miles per gallon consistently on the highway. And and I'm talking like uphill, downhill, didn't matter. That's where I was at. At some points, the instantaneous mileage Reddit readout was like pegging itself at like single digit miles per yeah. gallon. <laughs> it was Yeesh. wild. Um but uh, but is I, this any is this significantly worse than you would experience with a with a suburban or a or a I don't know an Escalade or whatever right like it's, it's an interesting question because my dad was with me 
he had his F-150. He was talking about, he has two F-150s. One's a 19 and one's a 12. The 19 is getting a, a suspend. He, he wanted an extra leap on the suspension in the back before he towed with it. So he had the 12. The 12 has a 5 liter V8, which is like 360 horsepower. His trailer is enormous. Like it's, it's an absurdly <laughs> overbuilt trailer. And he has a Mustang on it, which weighs a thousand pounds more than my car. So I would yeah. say his F-150 is about 800 pounds lighter than the Jeep, but mm-hmm. his load was definitely, um, that's actually least, not bad. Okay. But his load is probably 2,000 pounds more than mine. Yeah. So he was getting probably 15 miles per gallon, which is not a huge difference. I mean, over a long enough distance, I paid probably two, $230 in fuel to drive 550 miles. Oh, um, man. So that, because it, it, the Jeep requires premium and yeah. fuel prices are really high right now. But wow. as for its towing, I mean, it does the job. Uh, the, the difference between my dad's F-150 and the Jeep on a hill, and there's we went through the White Mountains in New Hampshire, and uh, we are up New Hampshire Motor Speedway, and it's it's about four and a half hour drive, and there's some really long uphill sections, like one or two miles, and the Jeep just, it's completely, it'll peg the revs a bit, but it doesn't lose any speed. I, I kept the towing around 65 miles an hour because it's a U-Haul yeah. trailer, <laughs> yeah. and you never know, right? <laughs> yeah. So... Uh, my dad, though, he prefers to tow faster because his F-150 needs to hit those hills at 70 or he slows down by the time he's at the top. He needs to wow. take a run at it. And he was really frustrated with my slow and steady pace. Oh, uh, no. Which he, he, made, he made that uh, known a couple times. Um, well, why didn't he go ahead of you? I offered him that. He didn't want to. I think he was worried. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, you okay. know. But uh, I, I had the adaptive cruise on. Which worked pretty well with the trailer, but all the other safety gear for the like the self driving stuff for the Grand Wagoneer turns itself off once you attach a trailer. Like it doesn't have any uh, lane centering or any of that, which is probably that's unfortunate. Smart. That's unfortunate, though. I think new F one fifties can do that. Yeah, but do you really want that? All like my dad doesn't use cruise at all when he tows. I I don't know if I would want steering inputs that aren't my own when mm-hmm. I had a load in the uh, behind the truck. Like I I feel like that was kind of. That's kind of a little too much for me. The, okay. the, the biggest it's issue... A, it's a comfort thing, yeah. The biggest issue with the towing was getting the car on the trailer. Because U-Haul trailers, they're not flat bottom trailers for the vehicle yeah. haulers. Yeah. They have a ridge. This is always an exercise in backyard engineering, yeah, isn't so it? There's like a dual ridge. on it's, it's an open center. And to keep the wheels in place, there's a ridge on either side of where the wheels go. And that ridge is like two or three inches tall. And my Datsun... Uh, it, the frame rails underneath hang down quite a bit, and they are literally two fingers off the ground. Oh so I was looking. I, I drove before I picked up the trailer the week before. I, I showed up with the dads and, and talked to the U-Haul guys. And they're like, "There's no way that's going on. Like it's just not going to happen." And I'm like, "Well, what if I put you know two by eight plywood to lift the the height of the floor of the trailer?" And I'm like, "Does that violate any policies?" And they're like, "You can do whatever you want with the trailer once you leave our place. We don't care." Um, so I, I bought some 2x8, I put it on, and a friend of mine, um, actually Steve Spence, who's the, the fleet manager at uh, who, who runs the Jeep fleet in Montreal, he, he does karting with his son, and he has a set of race ramps. And I was able to use the race ramps, he led them to me, and I could use the race ramps to lengthen the U-Haul ramps. And going onto the trailer, you couldn't put a piece of paper between my exhaust tip and oh the, the asphalt, but I didn't rub. And I, I was able to get it up to the front of the trailer, didn't rub on the little barrier at the front and tie everything down and had no issues. Um, okay. It was, it, I had a, a fun week at the weekend at the track. Uh, I only got two and a half. It was funny. There was a, a 355 Berlinetta there. 
Um, and the, normally you never see Ferraris at track no. days. And if you do, they're not old ones. And if they are old ones, they don't last, right? And I was joking okay. around. I'm like, how many sessions is this guy going to get? Well, he got more sessions than I did because I cracked an exhaust manifold, I think, or a gasket. Oh, my God. That karma for, for thinking of thinking Exactly. That, that, that 355 outlasted me. Uh, I got two and a half <laughs> sessions in. I had a lot of fun. Cars going in the shop Monday to see um what exactly is causing the the crazy noise and the spitting but uh i i was able to hang out with jamie a friend of mine that i met through uh the club that we both run in in new hampshire uh com uh, he's a longtime listener of the show and he's a very big supporter of the podcast and i hadn't seen him obviously in two years like i had this is i hadn't been in the united states in two years since the beginning of the pandemic. So it was really great. We hung out. Um, he he has a two, he had a 280Z of his own, which he sold like a week or so before <laughs> uh, I, I showed up. And he had a, a roll cage that we were looking at maybe that he had taken out of his car that we were looking at putting in mine. And it's a great cage, but for street driving, it's not the best idea because of how it wraps around the head area. Yeah. And uh, we test fit it in my car and realized that with the seat I had and with the positioning, it just wasn't going to work out. It's kind of unfortunate. I was looking forward to it. But he was there and he has he picked up a, a 944S to um, replace his Z. And it's oh, it, he, this is his first time on the track with that car. It was just on street tires, just there to have a good time like like me. Um, well, I hope he did have a good time. That sounds like a good it's time. It's such a cool experience. car. His, yeah. his, 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 it's, it's a black, uh, black SS and uh, S is, S and yeah. S two are my favorite versions of the nine four four. I feel like they're all the fun that you want with decent power without the complication of the turbo. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it was, it was really great. To, uh, shout out to to Jamie, who I know is listening, and it was really great to hang out. And I'm, I'm glad we got a chance to do that. And hopefully, we'll see each other again throughout the summer because I'm going to be able to, you know, the borders are open and uh, go go back to the the track events that I, I used to really enjoy. Yeah, man. I'm glad to to hear you going out there and maybe not take a uh, 6.4 liter uh, <laughs> jillion pound premium fuel only. I can tell you this though, after a day beating myself up on the track in a very old race car, it was mm-hmm. nice to get into something that had air conditioning and was modern and was comfortable true. and come back that way. It really reduces fatigue. Uh, but I do hope to, the next time I go, we'll be in my own Jeep. And that's about two or three weeks from now i think so i'll have a report on that so it'll be dual grand wagoneer towing situations um nice i i think i'm gonna have a little bit of the wag sag which is where the the springs on the back of my jeep are a little bit old and i think that attaching the trailer is gonna sag the rear end i ordered a set of airbags to kind of pump it up i don't know if they're gonna get here in time so we'll see all righty um now time for our one last segment of the of the show. Can we do this? Yes, we can. I mean, now is the time. You picked the right time. Um, after my trip to Ireland, I went on a press event with BMW, and one of the things that they ha- they told us they did was urban beekeeping in their Berlin plant. What so, is it with German automakers and urban beekeeping? I'm not complaining, but it feels like that is the epicenter of that particular activity. Yeah, everyone everyone's doing it. Everyone's got their beekeeping uh, situation going on and uh, BMW is no stranger to this. Uh, we went to their Berlin plant, which is where they make their motorcycles, actually. Um, and uh, they gave us um, some of the fruits of their beekeeping effort. So I'm here to... Uh, do a live taste test on the podcast. <laughs> so before you before you dip your fingers into this luscious no, honey, I've got a spoon. Relax. I'm, I got to touch things after this. Um, 
The the I want to point out that Sebi sent me a photo of the of the container, and yes. it says Blutenhonig Scrambler B. Yeah, I don't know what a Scrambler B is, but I'm into it. Also, I yeah, think it's too. made by volunteers from the factory. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, they warned us that if it tastes it, it, if it tastes funny, it tastes of uh, gasoline. So I don't know if that's Wait, legit or not. Yeah, no, I think that's a joke. Ab- that, it's so I mean, it's definitely a very, German joke that I didn't get. German corporate joke that you would. Yeah. All right, I just and there's a recall on the honey now. I'm oh, sorry, no. Sammy. You're you're you have three months to live. Oh no, these bees! All right, so we didn't take care of the bees, and now they're getting back at us. All right, hit it, hit it, hit me up with some flavor impressions. I need the profile. Right. So I'm just and I need to, I need mouthfeel too. Yeah, here we go. I've got a spoon. Okay, here it goes. Don't make a mess. Oh man, this is uh, this has got some texture to it. Podcasting a, is not a visual it is a, medium. <laughs> it is a very thick honey. Okay. It is not. It, it's got a good flow to it. This is the first ASMR the, we've ever had. It wraps around the spoon nicely. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's got a good gummy taste. Good. So gummy you think it's like a it. forty weight or a thirty weight? Like, what's the texture like? <laughs> yeah, it's like a thirty weight. Nice. Mm-mm. I think this is not going to last very long in my household. I'm jealous. I mean, I would um, love some kind of corporate bee honey. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? We've been talking about the bee honey since the like the first episode. It has to have been yeah. one of the early episodes. And that BMW finally came through. Yes. Um, so for our listeners, next week I'll be talking about the card that it's associated with its honey. Um, oop, I just spilled it all over my desk. Is that is the mic? Are you hitting the mic it? with the honey? Going <laughs> <laughs> to burn that mic? Yep. Um, so you'll hear about that next week. Ben, what are you talking about next week? I am going to be talking about the Hyundai Ionic 5, Sammy. Oh, you finally got your time in there. I did get my time in there. Okay. Now, for our listeners uh, that didn't know, now we're going to tell them how they can find our next week's episode. Just go on over to our website, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. Ooh, my mouth is all sticky now. Yeah, I can hear the stick. <laughs> unnamedautomotivepodcast.com and you'll find all of our previous episodes um there are no other taste tests which is unfortunate but maybe we'll have more of them going forward if you enjoy them um you can find all of our previous episodes you can find photos of the cars the uh, links to the articles you can find ways to subscribe to our episodes or our, our whole podcast all together using some buttons on the top of the screen there um and if you don't want to do it that way you can just go through your favorite podcast podcast client search for unnamed automotive podcast you'll find us in a jiffy i think that's the best way to describe it pretty much everywhere google amazon stitcher spotify we are all over the place and if you want to get in touch with us sammy you did not tell people how to do that correct no you can do that if you want to get in touch with us there's a bunch of ways to do it social media you can find me on instagram i'm at hunting benjamin you can find sammy on the cesspool that is twitter he is at sammy underscore hot like you're laughing or you could even email me the old-fashioned way benjamin at benjaminhunting.com uh thank you very much for listening if you are still a listener after a two-week absence thank you for not giving up on us Yes, and we appreciate us, it. Yeah, allowing us to take care of the calamities that just kind of all fell at the same time. Well, Ireland's not a calamity, but... You it know. is a calamity when I be... don't get to do a podcast with you for two weeks. Uh, so thank you for, you know, coming back. And if this is something new, as Sammy said, thank you for trying something new. And we will talk to you next week. Yeah, I'm, I have to clean up all this honey now. All right. Well, make sure to do that off camera. Yes, I will. <laughs> take it easy, everyone. Bye. <laughs>